Kieran. I'm Hannah. This is Kitchen Table Cult. Where two quiverful escapees talk about our experiences in the cultish underbelly of the religious right. Hi, Kieran. Hey, Hannah. How's it going? Good. I did a lot of talking this week to a bunch of people. How was your week? I did a lot of talking this week to a bunch of people, too. Who were you (laughs) talking to? Uh, I was talking to people for ADHD for school, and I was talking to some people about making a documentary, and had some other meetings. Now I don't remember what they were. (laughs) Um, I had an interview for a secret project about how um, parental rights is tied to the um, religious freedom task force and uh, conversion therapy. Super fun. Yeah, that's that's a fun topic. Not exactly what we talked about last week. Totally not at all what we talked about last week. (laughs) No, no. So what do we get to talk about this week? Um, My puppy, obviously. Yes. Yes, I I need to meet your puppy. I know. Um, I I really need to figure out a way to keep this puppy. It's a foster, but um, I'm kind of falling in love really hard. I'm calling her Blanche after the Golden Girls. It's beautiful. Yeah, which is a show I didn't grow up watching, but have become familiar with this last year and loving. I still haven't watched it yet. It's on my like list. You get like four single randy old ladies in a house together. That's basically the plot. It's really good. If <laughs> <laughs> um, to our listeners who are familiar with it, I think I'm Sophia. So, um, what are we talking about this week? I think we should actually talk about HSLDA. What does HSLDA stand for, dear listeners? <laughs> so, the Homeschool Legal Defense Association is this organization we've been referring to for the entirety of this podcast so far. Uh... And, and the work they've done with homeschooling and a bunch of other things. And so, finally, we're just going to talk about them. You know, in all those, um, like, Antifa Twitter conversations about when were you radicalized, it's uh, HSLDA is when I was radicalized. Yeah, really, like, were your parents members of HSLDA? Oh, we were car- we were card carrying members from like day one. Um, we had some friends in the Bay Area who had been homeschooling longer than we had, so they gave us all the tips and like directed us to HSLDA right away. I remember like the little card that they would give you in court report about like the steps to take if a social worker appeared at your door. We oh, had that yeah. cut out, cut out, and taped to the back of our front door. Um, and that's why when we installed like a peephole in the door was like when we started homeschooling for that exact reason. I remember we also had that on like the fridge or something somewhere we could see where it was like, don't open the door for a social worker. Right. Always call us first because they'll just come get you. We were so scared of social workers. Like we were trained to like have all these responses if we were out in public, like about homeschooling and like we definitely like homeschooling and know our parents never beat us and like yes we're like totally totally educated thoroughly and socialized and, and socialized and we hang out with friends and our, our siblings are our friends too and that counts yes yep <laughs> that was 
actually why I didn't. My mom told me I didn't need friends because oh, you didn't I had need my friends? siblings. I wasn't allowed to have best friends because that would privilege people over my siblings. <laughs> I'm making Which this is, face now that you can't see. It's a very sour face. It's a face. <laughs> I take great pr- uh, pride in calling lots of people my best friend now because of having been forbidden from it for so long. <laughs> that makes sense. I never really had a best friend just because, like, I loved everybody equally but differently. So I was like poly before I knew how that worked. <laughs> you were polyamorous friends. before polyamorous was cool. So yeah, I'm like, but everybody same. is my best friend. I love them same. all equally. <laughs> it's just different. Each connection is unique. Yeah. So, um, was Mike Ferris like? I make a joke about my undergrad college, and, I'm, and I say that Reagan is the fourth member of the Trinity there, but I think Mike Ferris is the fourth member of the Trinity in homeschooling. Yes. He's, like, the go-to authority on the subject and the one everyone reveres because, like, to most people, he's the reason homeschooling is legal. At least, like, that's the narrative that winds up getting pushed or implied. So who is he, and um, why do we, like, what's his affiliation with HSLDA? Well, he started it. He started it with J. Michael Smith. Yeah, what do we know about him? Well, they're both lawyers from the West Coast um, who got interested in homeschooling in, I guess, 1981. Um, They both kind of um, decided that that was a good idea. And um, I forget the exact history, but I know Jonathan Linval was a, a homeschool activist in California, also a lawyer, who had discovered that you could homeschool legally um, under the private school clause because private schools weren't defined well enough um, there. And so he, like... He's why we have that. Yeah. No, no. Well, he, he didn't do anything about it. He just, like, well, discovered... Right. He just discovered he just the loophole. He yeah. pointed out the loophole and started using it for his own kids. And he's the guy, like, the betrothal of Maranatha. Like, you've heard that story. Yeah. Or, like, the 15-year-old girl or 13-year-old girl is, like, betrothed to this guy and, like waits forever for him to like show up for the wedding yeah that was my that was um jonathan limbaugh and i remember hearing him speak at a homeschool camp we went to um at heartland christian camp in the in king's canyon national park um yeah he is like he's these guys are like they go way back um in west coast homeschooling and then they um they founded hslda in 1983 and came to the east coast because that's where all of the action is. And Mike Ferris was involved with um, Concerned Women for America, which is really cute because that's a group founded by Tim and Beverly LaHaye of the Left Behind series fame. And um, that group, um, I think this is like where he got his like his start with like activism and like learning how to lobby. But um, that group was lobbying against the ERA and like very concerned like concerned women for america is referring to they are concerned that feminism was going to ruin america for women right it wasn't like a leftist thing where it's like we're concerned about gun violence it's these women have almost equal rights and this is dangerous for society well like women are happy why would we want to make them discontent and sell them a lie about how the world is actually out to get them Right. Um, if you want more along those that vein, you should read Mary Pride's The Way Home. It's terrifying. I somehow managed to avoid Mary Pride 
and I'm real glad. Do you know her daughter went to PHC? Um, no, but that doesn't surprise me. Probably the same time that your ex was there, actually. That makes sense. So, PHC is Patrick Henry College, which, um, is God's Harvard. It's a little college in Northern Virginia that's not properly accredited. If you go there, you will not be able to transfer to any other school, um, and they do not have sufficient language requirements for you to actually graduate easily. Um, they are, um, a little academic army brainwashing institution um, for people who want to be involved in D.C. politics um, from the super conservative right side. And um, they are located um, in the same building as HSLDA's office. And they're founded by all the same people. My first was the chancellor, right? Yeah, I think so. And, um... Yeah, they're, I think they only have, like, room for between five and 700 students. It's very, very small. Yeah, they cater to homeschoolers, like, right. explicitly. Well, and both of these institutions, like, kind of thrive off of the idea that the world is out to get homeschoolers. Like, it's, they create this fear of, like, um, America hates homeschoolers, homeschooling is under attack. We have this, like, they have the monthly magazine court report that they put out that just, like, is like Damn home to, how persecuted you are for right and it's like set to terrify homeschool parents into like re-upping their subscription to hslda so that they have quote-unquote legal protection for when they need it because of course you're going to need it which right. is bullshit well i mean social workers are on every every street corner behind every shadow just waiting to snatch your kids because they hate the concept <laughs> of homeschooling so much they're like the the child catcher in uh um, chitty chitty bang bang. That's how that's how social workers are portrayed. Yes. Um, and PHC is is designed around the idea that homeschoolers are discriminated against by college admission admissions processes, and right. so you have to go to their elite little school that will take you. Yeah. I mean, you don't have to, but you could also go to Regent or Liberty. Right, but but PHC is the best one because it's the most exclusive and like the most conservative. Like, my parents thought Liberty and Regent were too liberal, and oh, yeah. and they also thought Definitely. Patrick Henry was too liberal for women because women aren't supposed to go to like college. So I remember hearing students who had started there because it was started in two thousand. I remember hearing students who'd like been in the first or second class there, griping about like how the admission standards had dropped by the time like two thousand nine had rolled around, and like they were like letting in all these subpar homeschoolers. <laughs> yes, the elitism is strong with this one. It really is. Like everyone, everyone likes to talk about how like the liberals are so elite and terrible, but like homeschoolers really like it's a persecution complex mixed with elitism. Yeah, that the, is the thing that we deal with. And the perse- persecution complex is like what pays the bills for these people. Um, and so they've also started a couple packs. They've started Generation Joshua. They've started HSLDA pack, and they have started ParentalRights.org. You want to get into what each of those are? Yeah. So ParentalRights.org is like Mike Ferris's pet project about making uh, parental rights a constitutional amendment. So a national constitutional can, like, amendment. Yeah. Right? Yeah, it is an international movement because they're also taking it over to other countries too. Uh, 
Russia, I think, right? Is where they've also We can get into that more with our, our guests later, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, but basically, they want to codify that parents have ultimate control over their children's life, education, access to things mm-hmm. uh, in the U.S. Constitution, in state constitutions, and internationally. Okay, and then the um, HSLDA PAC, because HSLDA is a 501c3, they can't do lobbying, so they created a PAC that will do their own lobbying for them on the same issues. Right, which is... Pretty self-explanatory. And we talked I about Generation like. Joshua last time. What what are HSLDA's like primary priorities? Like, what is this fear mongering that they're using? Like, uh, I'm just gonna go to their website. Yeah, get get a, get a statement of assumptions. They didn't and take goals. it down. <laughs> <laughs> their website is new. It's updated. HSLDA's. Yeah. It's 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 like halfway through a redesign right now, so like the navigation is different, but the pages are the same. Is it is that part of their child? Is are they using child labor to do that? Probably. All right. Did you know that they um, they were they were lobbying for um, fourteen and fifteen year olds to be able to work because like homeschooling like homeschool kids like were mature enough and it would benefit their education if they were employed. Well, and also, like, how else are they going to staff their student projects and run all of those campaigns if not homeschool child labor? I know. It's really, really cute. Um, yeah. Yeah. So when they, if they say anything about how they're for children's rights, like, let's just start there. That's how children's rights started with child labor. Yeah. Uh, so their mission statement is to preserve and advance the fundamental God-given constitutional right of parents and others legally responsible for their children to direct their education. In so doing, we rely on two fundamental freedoms, parental rights and religious freedom. We advocate for these freedoms in the courtrooms before government officials and in the public arena. Additionally, we assist other educational organizations in similar activities where possible and appropriate. Gotcha. But um, it's not actually a constitutional right, nor is it God-given. Yeah. But these are minor details. Yeah, that's like Old Testament, Old Covenant stuff. Like, that was a race in the New Covenant. Like, the, I, the, the theological conflation here is just a lot. They yes. assume that people won't know enough about the Bible to argue that. Well, exactly, and then, and that's kind of what they're counting on. Or or people who do know enough about it also are of the same vein and don't care that they're extrapolating. <laughs> um, also, fun fact, didn't um, Mike Ferris write a novel? Didn't he write several? I think he wrote several, but the first one, Anonymous Tip, I think is, like, really good because it, it sounds like um, a like bondage erotica book, but it's not. It's about a sex worker. Uh, not, not a sex worker, a social worker. <laughs> um, a social worker like, um, wow. uh, faking faking bruises on a child to get them removed from a conservative Christian and then later homeschool family's house. Like apparently the like parent removes the child from the school system because of the persecution of the social worker. Right. Um, and like in order to like protect them, which is kind of funny because that like ties into the um, Connecticut um, Office of the Child Advocate Study that we've been using a lot at CRHE. Yes. 
it does actually. You wanna you wanna catch people up on that one? Yeah. So um, in Connecticut, a study was done that was looking into uh, why, um, like when when CPS was called on children, how many of those were repeats? Uh, how many of those? Um, they have were, like different qualifications. Were found. For them. They they use the term founded. Um, the people like who were founded like, pulled case. out of school after having so many calls or after having calls. Um, and I looked at the numbers and it was like signif- significant that the amount of people who like had CPS called them or called on them and like withdrew them from school. I'm saying this wrong because I don't have it in my brain right now. No, I I, I, ha- I have the data because I use it. It's okay. <laughs> but I, it was I, it was this thing where, like, 36 percent of the cases in Connecticut uh, were called multiple times, and the people who uh, removed them from school after being called on more than once was a significant amount. And so it's something that proves the relation of people trying to remove their children from. Uh, the school after abuse is noticed, which is something that we've been saying for a while, and it just proves that there's actually something there. Right. So people are using homeschooling to, like, cover for um, abuse. And I I think it was 31% of these cases were, like, founded cases, like, legitimate cases of either multiple reports or, like, backed up, um, like, evidence-based report of child abuse and um and those were that was the number of kids pulled and like then enrolled in homeschooling as a way of covering up the tracks yeah which is like a not insignificant amount no so that's it's a, one of those that's things a like, statistically significant number mm-hmm. uh, which is unfortunate <laughs> yeah so well let's um let's take a break here and um our guest Catherine Brightbell is going to join us and we can talk a little bit more about the, the impact the HSLDA has had in our country. And we're back. Hey, Catherine. Hey, hey and we everyone. have our friend Catherine. So uh, you want to catch everybody yourself? up on who you are and why why we know you and why we wanted you on today? Uh, yeah, I am a legislative policy analyst and board member at CRHE, and I've done a lot of research on uh, the history of HSLDA and all of their um, shenanigans that they've been up to over the years. My parents have been members of it since like 1986, so... Since I was bored, I read most of the court reports over the years. So. Mm-hmm. It's good. It's good um, bathroom reading. Yeah. Helps with constipation for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Get you scared enough so that your bowels release. <laughs> right. <laughs> um. So your parents are pretty deep into all this stuff. Like, where where do you come from? What's your what's your family background like? Well, uh, my dad actually used to be a teacher. Um, and so about the time that I was going to be starting, um, kindergarten, um, my dad left the Christian school that he was teaching at, um, 
and where my older brother was enrolled, partly because, um, and so they decided they weren't going to enroll us back there, probably as the education there wasn't really that great. My brother had already, like, had a string of teachers who didn't know what they were talking about, about a bunch of facts. So, um, around that time, my parents heard about homeschooling, actually, because our neighbors down the street were homeschooling, and so they decided to, uh, do that um, instead of you know, putting us in Christian school or public school after my dad quit teaching. Um, so fairly quickly, they ended up um, running the umbrella school we were part of. Um, is the umbrella school thing? I guess I probably just should back up. It, since Florida, um, before the Florida homeschool law was passed in '85. The way that homeschooling was legal was by incorporating as a private school under the private school statute. So my parents joined uh, one of those private umbrella schools. And Which is how, how it is in California. Yeah. Basically. Similarly, although they um, there had been some case law that individual families couldn't be private schools in Florida. So uh, okay. they would join together and... Um, actually do some of the actual like record keeping that they were supposed to do as private schools um so my parents ended up running the thing fairly quickly um after that since they uh kind of knew what they were doing and had and um like knew how schools were supposed to be run since my dad has his master's in education so um they were very much on the ball um made sure that every, they were in compliance with everything required basically followed the uh florida um public school laws as far as what students were required to take um so they were actually involved then in founding um the florida coalition of christian private school administrators which is now the florida coalition of christian private school accreditation that exists to um kind of help Home or the homeschool umbrella schools uh, be on the ball and do what they're supposed to. Um, they they were involved in founding that back in the mid '90s. Actually, a bunch of people met up after Mike Ferris uh, came to Orlando to speak. Weirdly enough, um, so you guys were card carrying HSLDA members, and like you met Mike Ferris there. <laughs> Did you? Um, you ended up working with him in various ways, or how do you? What's your relationship with him? Uh, I actually never did. Um, I met him that one time, and I had applied to be um, an HSLD in a intern, and ended up not getting uh, the intern position, which was very disappointed at the time. But turns out it was probably a good move. <laughs> <laughs> right. But yeah, my parents also were, uh, yeah, my parents and my older brother were, are pretty much why Liberty is um, now deemed so super homeschool friendly. My brother was the first um, student admitted without taking a GD. Um, Wow. Yeah, my parents were like, no way is he doing this. He's got a, he's a National Merit Scholar. He, uh, you've already offered him a full ride. uh, And... (laughs) So they ended up, yeah, meeting with the president of the school and kind of teaching the school how to evaluate homeschool transcripts to uh, determine whether they... That's amazing. That's hilarious. 
you've you've done a lot of um I mean, with your role with CRAG, you've done a lot of research into the history of HSLDA and the effects that they've had and like how they work. What um, what have you noticed? What should our readers know or listeners know um, that we haven't covered already? Uh, one thing that I think is really important is that HSLDA is really, really good at playing a political long game. And they're... Oh, Mike Ferris is not really that great of a lawyer, but he's a very, very good strategist. And mm-hmm. they've been playing this 30-year political long game, setting things up that they, um, like, seeing what was coming down the down the pike and how the country, what direction the country was heading and putting laws in position in, to, um, like, that they could use later down the road. Um they did with Mike Ferris authored the Religious Freedom Restoration Act and um, basically everything that HSLDA wrote about it um, was describing a future that we'd have now where um, the country became more liberal and they needed a law in place to um, claim religious freedom on discrimination on claim religious freedom for homeschooling. Uh, and this is something that happened back in 1980 or 1994 wow. and or not 19. Uh, let me double check the dates. Um, but it was, yeah, it's been like almost uh, 20, it's been over 20 years and um, yeah. And they were like, they were, Ferris was thinking ahead when he authored it um, and nobody else who was involved with uh, RIFRA even thought that it would be um, possible to use it uh, the ways that HSLD has been using it or talking about using it and where um, like on LGBT uh, discrimination and things like that. Or I guess, yeah, it was 1998 was when uh, RIFRA happened. So how do you, um, how do you see the like the religious freedom summit and the religious task force playing out in terms of like, Ferris has been strategic and playing the long game. Like, um, what is that? What is that moment two weeks ago um, serve in terms of his long plan? That's pretty much what he's been playing for all this time. Uh, was to um, like create a situation where um, conservative Christians view of religious freedom as being basically what allowed to do whatever they want to, um, like that, that was his goal is to create like a government agency that would let that happen and that would give them the rights to do whatever they wanted on it. And And only Christians. Yeah. And it's only conservative Christians, of course. Right. Right. Obviously not liberal gay Christians because you know, that's not respecting the Bible at all. Right. Right. And, I mean, Ferris has been in thick with Mike Pence for a long time. Ferris is pretty much who got Mike Pence the idea of um, doing the Indiana RIFRA that everybody was up in arms about a few years ago. You want to get into that a little bit more? So, like, how do how do, how far do they go back? And, like, how did that all go down? Um... Yeah. Oh, I I just checked my timeline. The RIFRA was actually 1993, not 1998, like I was. Um, oh, okay. But um, yeah, in Indiana, they um, 
signed into, or Mike Pence uh, signed into law on the Religious Freedom Restoration Act um, version on the state level that basically um, wrote into law the rights to um, discriminate against uh, LGBT, LGBT people as a religious freedom right, um, which caused and a massive that- amount of... Uh, backlash and uproar and they ended up modifying that law Uh, is that what caused the um hiv outbreak there like the lack of treatment for that oh what was that in indiana the like hiv outbreak that happened under pence's watch was that related to the indiana rifra it wasn't directly related to that but it plays into how um pence basically sees LGBT people as disposable. And I mean, Mike Ferris has basically um, argued that not subjecting LGBT kids to conversion therapy is child abuse. Yeah. And Mike Ferris, oh, and his uh, extent of his belief in parental rights does not go so far as opposing Russia's law that would have stripped child custody of LGBT parents. So, so you want to, this is, this is a good preview because this is kind of where I see the tie between parental rights and conversion therapy happening, um, through the religious task force. Like mm. talk about like how Rush is a preview like what, what happened there? What is, what has HSLDA's involvement been in that? Yeah. Um, I haven't been able to track like HSLDA's direct involvement in any of the uh, LGBT um, stuff in Russia, although the um, man uh, Pavel Parvientev, I believe his, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but he is the HSLDA's man in Russia, also is like the man in Russia for a lot of other religious right orgs, um, including, um, drawing a blank on what, but he, um, I believe he's worked with like concerned women for America and Russia and a few other groups. Um, and, um, so there's a whole lot of overlap, even if they aren't working directly. Yeah. I remember that like in the early two thousands, there was a shift where HSLDA was initially like like in the early '90s, they were like, "Oh, Russia is terrible and communist," and it was that like, like post Cold War and then stuff. Like the 2000s, at some point, HSLDA was just like really chill with Russia, and then they started like going over to Russia and having like conventions and stuff. So how did and that happen? What was that about? Oh yeah, I love that story because they kept that super super secret um, from all of their uh, members. Um, because there was the, uh, it was supposed to be the World Conference on Families convention at the Kremlin, but then Russia invaded Ukraine or um, invaded Crimea, and officially everybody pulled out, but about three quarters of them all went anyway, where mm. it then became officially under the auspices of the Kremlin. So I happened to uh, come across one of the HSLDA attorney's Facebook pages where he had a bunch of public posts about it um, and um, found some videos of him meeting with, uh, and a bunch of other religious right leaders meeting with one of the Russian Orthodox archpriests who floated the idea of uh, genocide 
against LGBT people while they all were sitting there nodding along. And wow. Yeah, and so HSLDA has never officially admitted that they were at that conference um, and have kept it super uh, on the down low, but... Uh, there's they, evidence. Yeah, there's evidence and there's videos. There's videos of them speaking at the conference. Um, there's the Facebook So he was posts. there in his official capacity, like he would introduce himself as like, I am a HSLDA lawyer. yeah. Yeah, they were there, like, officially as an HSLDA lawyer. Um, wow. And his and Facebook posts, like, oh, Russia used to be, like, the evil empire, but now look at this, it's so great, they're welcoming us over here. Yeah. <laughs> and this was right yeah, after... Yeah, I remember that part. Yeah, and this was right after Russia invaded Crimea, um, when, like, the whole world was still outraged over this. And so the only change was originally Ferris was supposed to go and it then um, I've got to look up. I forget which attorney it was that did go. But they said basically they sent one of their lower level attorneys instead of Ferris. Gotcha. And um, HSLDA has had a lot of um, activity involving the U.N., what do you know about that? Yeah, they pretty much single-handedly um, killed ratification of the Convention of the Rights of the Child. Um, right, I remember that. So, the only yeah, countries... how did that happen? Because usually, like, they flood... Like, when they, when they organize nationally, they just, like, flood legislators, phone lines, and emails. How did they do that with the UN? I mean, what they did with that was they um, convinced the, uh, they basically flooded all the legislators' uh, phone lines so that they didn't vote for ratification of the treaty. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, Ferris has been complaining for years that treaties are on the same level of the con- as the Constitution. He doesn't like that. Um, mm-hmm. Which actually. Is that true? Um, back in, uh, at one point, HSLDA actually tried to, uh, get a, um, constitutional amendment passed to lower the standard so that, uh, treaties were no longer on the same level as the Constitution. That's how much HSLDA hates treaties. But is that even, but is that even true? Treaty, as far as I know, treaties don't have the same kind of power as the Constitution over national law yeah they actually do usually in practice it's um a little bit uh, like it um the courts tend to interpret treaties in a way that doesn't really change our laws although there have been a few cases where the um with some environmental stuff where we signed treaties with canada in order to get some environmental protections passed that couldn't pass otherwise Gotcha. So it kind of goes back to like how how they read the Bible in a super literal sense. They're kind of they're interpreting these treaties at a much more serious level than everybody else would. Right. Right. Oh, that reminds me. When I heard Ferris uh, speak at the FPEA convention, the Florida Parent Educators Convention in 2014, he actually 
in his speech talk about how to read the Constitution, he told everyone to read the Constitution like you read the Bible. That's that's been what I've been that saying for years. So much about how he teaches it. Yeah, you took Karen. Yeah. You took the Khan Law class. So. You took his his constitutional law class, right? Yeah, I didn't like take it all the way through. I like had the they had like some weird sort of high school version that I took, so it wasn't the uh-huh. same as his college class. Okay. Uh, but I took like the high school version or whatever that was basically like a workbook, and it was yeah. It was, it was very, he has a very specific idea of how the Constitution is meant to be interpreted, and it is very much, like, literally like the Bible. And he, what he claims about how the Constitution's taught in law school is not at all how constitutional law is actually taught in law school. No, like, the thing that always got me, because I was a huge con law nerd when I was a teenager was like I was reading the Constitution hand in hand with the Federalist and the Anti-Federalist Papers and Harris's book. You and mean like, you were reading it just like all Harris the rest of us were? <laughs> did not line up to anything else that I was reading. And I'm like, a lot of this is bullshit. Even then, even then you could tell. Yeah. Yeah. I was just like, this doesn't match. Like I don't and it was one of those things that were like I didn't feel comfortable asserting that publicly, but I was like, this isn't how this works. This isn't, he's not interpreting this right. This isn't how that is actually meant to be. I had a similar thought when I was in George Grant's, like, history class, humanities class, um, with a bunch of homeschoolers, and I was reading Federalist Papers um, for that, and I remember having a similar thought and not knowing how to articulate it, because I assumed that maybe I was missing something because of the archaic language, and like the, or, or some context or something, but... Yeah, I remember having a similar thought and also kind of feeling tripped up on it. Yeah. Yeah, which is why, of course, they don't want anybody to actually read the primary source documents. (laughs) I remember in high school reading um, de Tocqueville um, and seeing him argue that the actual strength of America was separation of church and state and Mm -hmm. realizing, oh, hey, it's the exact opposite that they all taught. Right. Yeah, things like that always got me too because i'm like i'm looking at this document right here and what you're saying is not is not the same thing but like they also didn't they didn't really encourage looking at the original documents which makes sense so one of the pieces that i want to know a little bit more about that i i think happened after i bailed on um, following what HSLDA was up to because I was trying to figure out my life and, you know, getting divorced and stuff. Um, the UN Convention on Rights of Persons with Disabilities d- also didn't get ratified um, because of HSLDA. And they were haranguing Bob Dole. Um, what do you know about that? Are you familiar with that story? Uh, Ferris testified before... Um congressional committee and claimed that ratifying it would mean that like the government had control over children who needed eyeglasses like he takes the slippery slope and he turns the slippery slope into like uh, a giant like drop off a cliff Um, everything is always the worst possible most literal interpretation of everything is it because he was concerned that homeschool parents would be obligated to provide disabled children with, like, extra, like, assistance and, like, 
tools and stuff or, or what? Yeah, he just um, basically, his conclusion was that having disabled children having rights meant that the government could step in and uh, tell parents what to do about homeschooling. So this ties into their fear of parental rights in general. Right. Gotcha. Right. right. Well, I mean, if children of any kind have any rights at all, then that is obviously an immediate danger to the sanctity of the ultimate authority of parents. Right. So, right. And that's why like, I said parental rights. have, have and like, resources for disabled children. Right. Yeah. I said parental rights and I meant children's rights. Yeah. But yeah, they're scared. They're super, super scared of children having rights. Right. Yeah. And never mind the fact that the... Uh, Convention on Disabilities is basically um, just a copy of the Americans with Disabilities Act. We still couldn't have it because it would be on the same level as the Constitution as a treaty. But so they're not, but they're not scared of the ADA. Uh, they don't. They haven't seemed to have complained about it. Um, but um, I mean, it is fairly that, useless. Yeah. <laughs> so, um. Yeah, who knows whether they would really um, like want to get rid of the H- or the ADA if they could, but I haven't seen them complain about the ADA. All of my um, friends with disabilities have talked about the ADA being feeling toothless and not really helping them, so I, I guess yeah. that probably goes into why HSLDA hasn't given it any attention. Yeah, I think if it had teeth, they would probably come against it, but... Everything I've heard about the ADA from is just also like, I mean, it's the bare minimum. Well, you've had some experiences with that at school trying to get accommodations, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of work. Yeah. I mean, I had to constantly fight with ADA uh, in undergrad because of like my allergies and they would be like, oh, well, you still have to clean bathrooms because everyone has to clean bathrooms. And I'm like, no, that is not how the ADA works. No, no. So the idea of like even like making minor accommodations and conservative circles just try to split hairs to the point that they don't have to make any. Where did you go to college? I went to Covenant College in Lookout Mountain, Georgia. Oh, okay. I have some friends who went there. How was that experience for you? It was actually fairly good. Um... What I always say about that is I um, liked my professors, but I did not really have a great relationship with the administration. Um, So um, so a lot of the professors were much less conservative than the uh, denomination, the PCA as a whole, um, and kind of figured out ways to uh, work around... um, the like denominational stuff to actually like teach uh students what they uh needed to learn gotcha that sounds pretty similar to my experience at grove city yeah so i mean like i rem- i had a hit or an art professor who canceled class once to tell us to go uh, i'll go listen to like a feminist uh but scholar talk about like art and something so at um mm-hmm. university of tennessee chattanooga so nice like our whole class went to that um cool so well um is there anything else you want our listeners to know about hslda thank you for coming on oh yeah <laughs> thanks for asking me um my i guess 
I wouldn't be surprised if HSLDA starts rebranding soon because they've been floating trial balloons about the idea that homeschooling is great for LGBT kids and that HSLDA has actually done more for LGBT kids than LGBT activists. Wait, what? Uh, so um, didn't they didn't they like counter protest LGBTQ activists coming to PHC? <laughs> but yeah, wow. Will Estrada is trying to float that on Facebook. So okay. I wouldn't be surprised if they try to float that again. Um, we'll, and we'll start as one of their lawyers. So That's not going to go down. I will no. not let that stand. No. Yeah. <laughs> no, from the queer queer homeschool contention, fuck that. Yeah. <laughs> so. Or F that. But I mean, yeah, never mind the fact that in uh, 2004 they tried to get a a national, like federal constitutional uh, same-sex marriage ban passed. Uh, Right. Yeah. Like all of their work is very much not like it's very anti-queer kids and queer people in general. So PHC had this whole scandal where they like that they 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 had this whole thing where queer at. P- at PHC was like a, there was a queer PHCR blog with anonymous bloggers yeah. who, were t- who were talking about it and it like caused a ruckus on campus because um, they were like well you have to sign a statement of faith to attend PHC and if you sign your statement of faith you can't be queer so there are no queer people at PHC <laughs> yeah yeah because that's like a thing that you can just be like yeah no I'm not queer yeah I signed a piece of paper signing away and how my many queerness. how many queer people do we know who came out of Patrick Henry College so like many. most of the people that so I know who went to Patrick Henry College many so many <laughs> I don't know that I know anyone no that's not true the Harrises so the Harrises I don't think are queer but everybody else I know who went to Her- who went to Patrick Henry in I'm terms of sure liberal <laughs> people I, yeah. o- I only know one person who's straight but, yeah yeah fun fact I ended up um or I wrote a paper in law school about LGBT students at Christian schools entirely because when I was looking for a topic that was right when Ferris was going after queer PHC so Man. That's how I ended up working on the brief in Perry and Windsor that actually like swung Kennedy on marriage. So wait, you want to get it? Tell us a little bit more. Yeah. So I um it, I was taking I took a class in um, law school about um, sexuality, gender, and the law, and mm-hmm. um so I wrote a paper about um. LGBT students at Christian colleges and trying to like figure out like a balancing act for religious freedom and uh, non-discrimination. And because of that, I was asked to contribute to work on a Youth Voices uh, amicus brief uh, in Perry and Windsor, uh, and which were the um, cases about Prop 8 and uh, the Defense of Marriage Act. And uh, that brief actually has been credited by a lot of legal scholars as being the one that swung Justice Kennedy on marriage equality. So congratulations. (laughs) So basically, if it's not for Mike Ferris going after queer PHC, um, like we (laughs) Mike Ferris, the founder of the feast. (laughs) So beautiful. So. When we all get book deals, we should uh, dedicate our books to him. Definitely. Yes. <laughs> Thank you for giving me the impetus to undo all of your work. Yeah. 
Oof. All right. Well, thank you for coming on. It's been great yeah. talking to you and hearing uh-huh. all the things that you know. Yeah. Thanks for asking me to be on. Thanks for listening, everybody. Check out our Patreon. Um, it's Kitchen Table Cult Pod, I think. Kitchen Table Cult Pod on Patreon. Uh, and we'll see you next week. Yeah. And we need to do another um, Kitchen Table Cult After Adult Dark episode yes. where we get drunk or stoned and talk about maybe like our favorite crazy bible stories or something like that i'm here for this because there's a lot of them all right sign up for patreon if you want to be part of that and um join us next week bye bye